Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. It is a pleasure to be with you. I've watched this church over the years. I was um, around when this church burst. Um, I lived over in uh, East Ridge, not far, on Myrtle Avenue, which is right across from uh, East Ridge High School. I went to school at Lakeview. So uh, outside of uh, a little time away uh, in school and pastoring in Florida, uh, for a number of years, I've been right here. I've been your neighbors uh, for, for a good while. And uh, I love your pastor. Uh, got to know Dan uh, through our mission board um, some years ago, and I have really appreciated his, uh, his dedication uh, to the work of the Lord. I know he does a great job for us. Sandra, it's so good to see you. Sandra Reese, uh, I, that's how I got on the board, was through her husband, Jack, one of my Dear friends, Jack and Sandra attended my church uh, up in Ottawa for uh, a good while, and uh, it was always a pleasure to see them uh, out there. So, how are things going? Life is good? Yeah, all the time. I like hearing that. All right, if you will, turn in uh, your Bibles to the book of uh, uh, Joshua. And uh, we're going to look at uh, some passages there uh, this morning. Um, Joshua, and if you will, uh, go to chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. And when you're there, if you got it, say, I got it. Got it. Love that. i like you to be there with me. Joshua chapter 3. Now, do you... Uh, do you underline in your Bible? Is that okay? I, I, I know some people like to keep crisp, clean Bibles and they never mark and, and never underline it. I'm just the opposite. Uh, I've got stuff written all over. I'll go back and find one of my old Bibles and I'll start looking at all the underlining and little notes I've got in the margin and I can't read any of it, but it meant something to me at the time I did it. Um, but as I go through this, there's some specific things that I want you to underline because it's what we're going to pay attention to. I love this church. I love the way it's built. Now, you're way over here on the left side, so I'm going to have to make sure I pay attention here. But uh, I, I was telling your deacon, uh, in most churches that I've pastored or been in over the years, they, they build them those long, you know, wide pews and, you know, long... And so uh, a lot of times, Sandra will remember this, uh, I'd have to get out of the pulpit and you walk back so I could make sure people weren't going to sleep on me, you know, because I couldn't, I, I couldn't touch all those people. But you're all close enough to me this morning that I can, I can see. I like the way this is built. Joshua chapter 3, we're there. And Joshua rose up in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest and the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. That's the first thing I want you to underline. And go after it. 
Yet there shall be a space between you about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. Underline that. You have not passed this way heretofore. Yet there shall be a space. Excuse me, verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Wonders among you. Can we all stand? I apologize. Now sit. You can sit down now. You're, you're, uh, he told me to have everybody stand when we, uh, we read the word. And I love that. In honor, and I forgot to do it. So, so to make sure I didn't completely miss it, I had everybody stand and sit down. And, and, uh, and you know, they did that in the Old Testament. The scripture was they loved the word and honored the word. And when the word was read, they stood. That's a great, great tradition to have at any time. Well, I don't know about you. Um, but um, in, in my life, things took a dramatic change starting about March of last year. The world kind of turned upside down. And as we progressed through the year, and I'm not going to get involved in uh, politics. I don't think there's any place for politics in the pulpit. But since the election, I'll just put it that way. We have seen a lot of other changes that have taken place in our country. Um, and things that, in my humble opinion, uh, are not good for our country, and especially not good for us who are of the Christian faith. So the story that we have before us this morning is the story of the children of Israel. For 40 years, they have wandered in the wilderness. Joshua chapter 1 opens with the statement, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua, you're in charge. And so Joshua has been in training, but it's a, it's a very awesome responsibility when you take that leadership role and the, you are the one and only leader. Everybody is looking to you to make the right decision. So we've come now to Jordan. Uh, I have had the opportunity to go to Israel a few times. One, one time was with Jack and Sandra Reese. And in each one of those times that I went to Israel, we went down to the Jordan River. I had the privilege of baptizing some people in the Jordan River. That was pretty amazing. And uh, when I was there, uh, Jordan River was, uh, you could just almost wade across it. So when we come to this passage, and if we and we'll take a little time in just a minute to read a few more verses, we see that the Jordan River is raging. It's the particular time of year with the rains and the melting snows from the mountains of Lebanon have a, a raging river. And Joshua, Joshua has to get those people across that river. And God has told Joshua that we are going to go into the promised land. So 
we think, oh, if it's the promised land, that means things are going to be easy. But it's not going to be easy. There's battles to fight. There's giants over there. Remember the report of the spies? We can't go in there because there's giants in that land. And so Joshua now with the children of Israel has, has brought them to the, the very brink. And so Joshua tells the people, he said, we're going to take this Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant, they've been carrying that Ark of the Covenant around with them for 40 years. I can just imagine, you know, children saying, Daddy, what's that? Oh, it's the Ark. Well, what do we do with it? Well, we just carry it around. So now suddenly the ark, though, takes preeminence because he says, I want you to take the ark of the covenant. I want you to lift it up and you're going to carry the ark across the Jordan River. I want everybody to stay about 2,000 cubits away from it. That is in our measurement about a thousand yards, ten football fields, if you can imagine. So everybody is going to stay a thousand yards away from that, and they're going to carry it across. And he says, when you see the ark go across the Jordan River, you go after it. Just follow the ark where it goes. And he goes on to say, you haven't been this way before. You hadn't experienced the things that you're getting ready to experience. Tomorrow, what's going to happen? What are you facing in your life? Got a doctor's appointment next week you're concerned about? How about your children, your grandchildren? Concerned about how you're going to pay next month's rent? All of these things are a part of life, right? You haven't been this way before. And because you haven't been this way before, you need something that you can follow. And you're going to follow the ark. Keep your eyes on the ark. When you see the ark move, go after it. Because you haven't been this way before. And watch. He said, because the Lord is going to do wonders among you. Wonders among us, if what? If you follow the ark. If you go after the ark. Uh, so this morning, I, I want to I talk to you just for a few minutes about Following God into the great unknown. Because that's what life is, right? Life is one step constantly into the great unknown. I wish I had known then what I know now. And that could be good or bad. But every step we take, the rest of the day is a step into the great unknown, right? 
we're constantly moving into the great unknown. And in order to do that, we have to have something to follow. Children of Israel, I'm going to make this simple for you. Just follow the ark. Just follow the ark. And if you keep your eyes on the ark, I will do wonders among you. All right, if you like to take notes, I'm going to give you three things I want you to write down. Here's the first thing. When you go with God, you are constantly going into uncharted places. Uh, years ago, the uh, map makers uh, <laughs> would draw these maps. I'm talking about in the 13, 14, 1500s, they draw these maps. And the map would be drawn as far out as anyone had ventured, anyone had gone. Now, out there, beyond the map, out there was the great unknown. We've not been there anymore. And you know what they'd do on many of those maps? They'd draw dragons. Dragons out there. Be careful about going out there. Now, were there any dragons on the earth at that time? No, there wasn't any dragons. But they just, they just tried to think in terms of the most terrifying being they could possibly come up with. And they drew a dragon on the map. And the dragon represented the great unknown. And sometimes when we look into the future, we see, we think the same thing. There's a dragon out there. How can I take that step? How can I take that venture out there? Because in following the ark, and may also say in following the Lord, we're constantly walking into uncharted territory. Nobody's been there before. I love the passage in... Um, in the book of uh, uh, Hebrews, where it says, it says, the, the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, leave Ur of the Chaldees and start walking. And the scripture says, he just went, not knowing where he was going. Just follow the Lord. God said, do it, so I'll do it. A uh, story about uh, a group of uh, people that were on this old rickety boat. And a storm came up and they went to the captain and they said, Captain, it looks like we're taking on water. What, what are we going to do? Are we going to be okay? And the captain said, well, uh, the boiler could explode. And he said, we might sink. So he said, we might go up in an explosion. We may go down by sinking ship. But one thing I know right now is we're going forward. So let me tell you something, folks. We may go up in the rapture. Or we may go down into the grave and in the rapture. You say you believe in the rapture of the church. Absolutely, I do. And I'm listening for the trumpet. Anytime. We may go up, we may go down, but right now we have to keep going. One step in front of the other. 
you say, wait a minute, Brother Mike, I don't know where I'm going. Just keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Just follow Him. He knows where He is going. And He says to us, you just keep following me and I'll do wonders among you. So I've been following the Lord. I started pastoring my first church in 1976. Uh, Lake Ellen Baptist Church down in Crawfordville, Florida. Crawfordville is in Wakulla County, which is just below Tallahassee, to kind of give you an idea where that church was. So I've been doing this since 1976. And pretty much I've been doing it in small churches. I went to Tennessee Temple. I, I, had, this, I had this grand idea that I was going to be an evangelist. I saw myself as an evangelist. But then I realized I'm not, I'm not an evangelical type preacher. Man, I'd listen, listen, I'd have those evangelists come to my church. I'd be preaching, I'd be preaching great sermons as far as I was concerned. And I couldn't get a single move out of my people. And evangelists would come to my church and they'd, they'd preach a little ABC rinky dink type message and the whole congregation would come forward. I'd say, what, what am I doing wrong here? So then I said, okay, I'm not going to be an evangelist. I'm going to pastor this huge church. That's my goal. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to climb the ladder, these churches, and I'm going to pastor a huge church. I had my plans all laid out. But the Lord said something different. And all these years, the Lord has taken me to these small churches. Uh, I mentioned Crossroads. Harold mentioned Crossroads. The first Sunday I was at Crossroads, uh, the gentleman there invited people to come up and sing in the choir. Harold, you've been in those churches. All right, anybody wants to sing, come on up here. And there was probably about 15 or 20 people in the choir, and I looked out in the congregation. It was me and one other couple sitting in the congregation. The choir was singing to three people. And I learned early on, the choir doesn't sing two. The sing, choir sings four. Whenever a choir thinks they're singing to someone, they need to stop singing. We're singing four, not two. So it doesn't matter if there's two people in the congregation or 2,000, you're singing four. Did good job this morning. Choir did a good job. All these little churches, all these little churches. Where should I work today? And my love flowed warm and free. And he pointed to a tiny spot and he said, tend that for me. I said, no, Lord, not such a little spot. None of my friends will see. And he wept and he turned his back and he said, are you serving them or me? Nazareth was a little spot and so was Galilee. 
So I've learned over these years, just follow the Lord. Just follow the ark. He knows where he's going. And if I keep my eyes on him, what does the scripture say? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes on him. So all these years in these uncharted territories, I didn't know, I didn't know where I was going. I just followed. I didn't know when I was going. I didn't know why I was going. I just followed him. I was sitting at home uh, one morning. Uh, this was when I was in uh, Florida. And Lynn, <clears throat> my wife, Lynn, I'm sorry she wasn't able to be with us today. She wasn't feeling well this morning. Uh, but um, Monday morning, early Monday morning, there was a knock on my door. And I went to the door, and standing there was a man by the name of Emmett Whaley. Now, Emmett Whaley, Emmett Whaley was a uh, pastor uh, in that area. Uh, he had a he had just a small. I had a small church, and when you talk about small, it was. In fact, there was three or four churches in that county, and he pastored all these three or four churches. It was a foot washing church. Okay, I'm not making fun. I'm just saying it was it was that type of denomination that that was part of their their uh, ritual uh, every week. And so Emmett was standing there at my door and he said, Brother Mike, he said, the Lord asked me to bring you something. And uh, I said, okay. And he handed me two $20 bills. And I said, Brother Emmett. Now, I didn't make a lot of money, but I knew he couldn't make much. And he had like five kids. I said, Brother Emmett, no, 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 no. I never will forget what he said. Listen, Brother Mike, will you rob me of a blessing? <clears throat> I said, no, sir, I will not. Handed me that money. I went in, got my shower, got ready. I was going to go up to Tallahassee to visit the hospital. I went outside, and my car wouldn't start. There was a garage in Crawfordville. I called that garage, and I explained, my car won't start. Uh, do you have someone that can come down and boost me off? And th he did. He came down and boosted me off. I followed him up the garage. He, he checked. He came in, and he said, your battery's dead. You're going to have to have a new battery. I said, okay. He gave me the bill. It was $39.50. Brother Myers Carter, I said, Myers, i got to tell you a story. I'm handing you two $20 bills that Brother Emmett Whaley brought to my door this morning and said the Lord told him to bring me that money. And I said, I am paying you with the Lord's money sent through Brother Emmett this morning. That following Sunday, Myers, his wife, and his two daughters were sitting in my church when I gave the invitation. All four of them came forward and gave their life to the Lord. Myers would later become a preacher. I just followed the Lord. I was out visiting one day and had I had uh, two cards in my hand of people who had visited my church. 
There was a lady in my church named Bettis, Miss Bettis. And when I first came to that church, Lake Ellen Baptist Church, Miss Bettis would say, Preacher, pray for my husband. He's lost. And I promised her I would pray, and I did. One day, one of the deacons of the church overheard her talking to me about him, and he came to me and he said, don't ever go visit him by yourself. That's probably the meanest man in this county. Uh, make sure and take one of us with you if you ever go over there. So I'm out visiting, and I've got these two cards of people, and I went down to one house, and as I went, I passed the Bettis' home, and there was Mr. Bettis out on the front porch in a rocking chair. I didn't know him, but I, I knew where she lived, and I thought, well, that's got to be him. People weren't home. Came back by and went down to visit the other people. They weren't home. This is just like the Lord, right? They weren't home. The two destinations I thought I was going to, they weren't there. They weren't there. They weren't there. I came back by. Mr. Bettis was still on his front porch. And I just pulled up and stopped. Walked up the front porch. I said, Mr. Bettis, my name is Mike Steele. I'm a pastor at Lake Ellen Baptist Church. And I wonder if you might, wouldn't mind. I'm Now, keep in mind, in the back of my mind, meanest man in the county, okay? So I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to build a relationship with him. You know, isn't that what they say? Don't, don't just start with the gospel. Build a relationship. And there is something to that. So I sat down and I talked to Mr. Bettis about the weather. I talked to him about politics. Talked to him about fishing. Because we were right there on the ocean and all these guys were. Talked to him about gardening. I saw his garden out there. So I've built my relationship with Mr. Bettis, and I'm thinking, okay, I'll, I'll come back again. And I said, Mr. Bettis, would you mind if I had a word of prayer with you? He said, go right ahead. He bowed his head. That was the biggest head I'd ever seen on a man in my life. Like a huge pumpkin. That head was bowed. I could not get a word out of my mouth to pray. Not a word. Because the Holy Spirit was saying to me, is that all you're going to do? Talk about the weather. Talk about politics. I said, Mr. Bettis, you've never been saved, have you? Didn't look up. He just shook that big head no. But I said, Mr. Bettis, you want to be saved, don't you? He shook that big head, yes. I led him in the sinner's prayer. He got down. It wasn't enough just to sit. He got down on his knees like, like he's got to get low before the Lord. He got down on his knees and he held my hand and I heard those precious words. Jesus, forgive me because I know I'm a sinner. I'm lost and going to hell. I didn't know where, why, or when. 
I just followed the Lord. And he's taken me over these years into some uncharted territory. I didn't know why I was there. But here was the promise. If you follow the ark, go after it. Go after it. And follow it. Because I am going to take you places that you've never been before. And I am going to do mighty things through you. Churches follow the Lord. Let's follow the Lord. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what phone call you'll get. I don't know what you'll hear from a doctor. <laughs> Let me just close by saying this. Uh, if, if you look down in uh, verse 14, Verse 13, it says, It shall come to pass as soon as the souls of the feet of the priests that bear the ark, as soon as they touch it, the waters will roll back. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents, I'm reading verse 14, to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they bear the ark, okay, remember now, they've got to stay a thousand yards away, 2,000 cubits, a thousand. So they're watching, they're looking at the ark. It says, soon as it dipped in the brim of the water, because Jordan had overflowed with his banks at that time of the year, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, the salt sea, the dead sea, this water is flowing into the Dead Sea. Jordan in Scripture is considered a place of judgment. Okay? I won't have to cross Jordan alone. You know that song, Harold. Jesus died for my sins to atone. In the darkness... I see he'll be waiting for me. I won't have to cross Jordan alone. Aren't you glad? You're not going to have to cross that place of judgment alone. And it says that we're cut off and passed over right against Jericho. Jericho, why is that important? Jericho, you know from Scripture, the falling of the walls of Jericho. I wonder what those people in Jericho thought when they heard the news that the children of Israel had crossed the Jordan River on dry land. You know, Rahab, Rahab said, we, we've heard. We've heard about the miracles that God wrought among you people. When we follow the Lord, even in uncharted territory, when we follow Him, and God shows Himself through us, it's all about that, right? Him getting the glory. God shows Himself through us. And we walk in faith following Him.
And He does great and mighty things through us. Don't you think that the enemy doesn't know about that? Don't you think... Listen, when God starts doing miracle stuff, and He already has in this place, in this church, don't you think people set up and take notice? And when God is working, I love that passage. It says, if, 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 if I am lifted up, then I will draw. See, when we lift up the Lord and we follow Him, He, He will draw the people. Never had a problem getting people to show up to watch a fire. You get a church on fire, there would be a problem to get people to show up and watch it. Let's bow our heads. I want to say two things in conclusion. Uh, invitation is really simple. Just whether you make the commitment, do you need to come forward? That's always a wonderful thing to do, but right where you sit, if that's more comfortable for you, I, I just want to challenge you today. And you say, oh, Brother Mike, I've been following the Lord all my life. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. I'm thrilled to hear that. There may be others here to say, you know, I really haven't. I've just kind of let the, the, the situations and circumstances of life just kind of take over. And I haven't really focused on the Lord like I should. I challenge you today to put your eyes on Jesus. Just follow Him. Now, when you do, watch out. Because He's going to take you, as He said to Joshua, places that you've never been before. Places you've never been before. And He's going to do miraculous things through you. Just follow the Lord. Now, as far as I know, every person that's listening this morning is saved. I hope that's the case. I was uh, raised as a Mormon, baptized in the Mormon church when I was eight years old. First sermon I ever heard was a sermon on the rich man in hell. Never knew such a place existed. But I heard a preacher say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ah, I was no dummy. I just believed it. I asked Jesus to save me from my sins. So if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, just come forward. One of these good men or women would be glad to pray with you and show you how you can leave victorious and have eternal life and sins forgiven. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful congregation, their attention this morning as I tried to speak through these stammering lips. I didn't do justice to the word Oh, it's so overwhelming. Thank you for the privilege of following you. I pray that for that one that is here, 
they've been living a divided life. Oh, sometimes they're following you and sometimes they're following their own ideas and thoughts. I pray if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, that this would be the day they'd come to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we all stand, please. Thank you.